Wow, this is the intro, and it's the best one yet. Why? Because I just told you to. Told us to what? <laughs> to, to, to know that it's the best intro. Oh, gosh. All right, let me try that one more time. Wow, <laughs> started this is the great. best. <laughs> yeah, and then I just kind of like went to a <laughs> random tangent. This is the best intro so far because I know it's going to be, and therefore, your note. Try again. I don't know. <laughs> your note. Wow. This is the best intro so far. Why? I don't know. Probably because I just told you it's going to be the best intro so far. So there you go. Region Unlocked Season 2. Here we are, and welcome back. That was a beautiful intro. Thank you. All right. You Let's should make use it one happen. Of the... <laughs> Use one of the earlier ones. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll, I'll mix them all together. It'll be a total mess. Beautiful. Welcome back, everyone, to Region Unlocked. My name's Cameron. And I'm Jake. And back by unpopular demand, the one and only Mark Clements. Thank you. Uh, very popular demand. Lots of people wanted me back. That's why I'm here. Is that, is that so? I think the only feedback we got was the fact that your brother was mad that he was portrayed in a negative light. <laughs> there was that, and then I was, apparently I cheated in the trivia, so. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I can't believe I'm back, actually. Our worst guest. Yes. <laughs> worst guest. We couldn't get anyone else, so we settled on Mark. That's what happened. Right. <laughs> All right, well, No, guys, it's, it's good to have you back, Mark. It, Thank it you, is Tim. good. So... We have a very action-packed episode, a lot to talk about with the Xbox. Let's uh, skip all the intro formalities, and let's just dive into it and talk about the original Xbox. Let's dive. As of now, we have, we have gone there. <laughs> all right. All right. So I've got some facts a few facts I learned today that I can start us off with, and then uh, we can dive into some games, and then Jake is going to wrap it up with an awesome trivia game for us. I'm excited. I've never got to participate in a trivia game. This will be fun for you, Cameron. I usually host them. Oh, I yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the original Xbox launched back in November 15th, 2001. Which, dang, that was 19 years ago. Wow, I can't believe crazy. how long it's been. We're old. We are yeah, old. We're getting, we're getting up there. <laughs> yeah, I forgot, we forgot to mention my birthday back on January 22nd, which right now hasn't happened yet, but in podcast world, it has. So I'm 30 now. We're, <laughs> we're all old, except Jake, who's not 30 yet. No. Nope. How old are you? 29. Okay, so you're getting there. Oh, I'll be there soon. <laughs> in a couple <laughs> yeah, months. Stuck. I wonder you're so immature. I know. It's been super immature anytime I'm around you. So it's, it's you know, you know, you're not wrong. It's kind of true, actually. <laughs> yeah. All right. Back to some history for you. So uh, the Xbox kind of interesting origins, I thought, because uh, you know how Nintendo, they kind of spawned the PS2 because of mm -hmm. their own business craziness and partnering with sony and and backstabbing and they caused the ps2 or the playstation in general but then as the ps2 came around it was pretty threatening it had first off just a lot of great games but also you know it had a lot of extra features like you could plug in like your modem to it it had dvd player and other media options it was starting to look like a competitor to the pc and so Bill Gates mm. saw this and he, yeah, he pretty much saw it as a direct threat to Microsoft computers. And so because of that, it led to the origin of the Xbox. What were your guys' like first perceptions just when you saw that the Xbox existed? The fact that this thing was coming out, what did you think when you first saw this? Hmm. Mark, do you have one for this? Yeah, I would say my my biggest thing was I was such a PlayStation holic at the time 
and just about everybody that I knew had PlayStations. Um, I guess you had a GameCube back then, right, Cameron? Mm-hmm. Am I thinking the right timeline? Yeah. yeah. But I'm like very, this is a bad thing to admit, but I hate new things. So I, I remember just like, I'm never going to touch that, being like real hostile against it. Yeah. Um, and maybe we'll get into this a little later, but when I went to my brother's house and he had it. And I remember as I was going over there, I was like, well, I'm going to bring my PlayStation. We won't touch his Xbox. And then, you know, this is getting into the Halo talk, but we played Halo the entire weekend, if I remember right. So nice. makes sense. <laughs> But I was very anti-Xbox anti early on. Yeah, I get that. Okay. What about you, Jake? Yeah, uh, I share the same sentiment right there. I was very, very anti-Xbox early on because I was a Nintendo fanboy through and through. And that was the way to go. I, I thought that this new system coming out was going to be like, oh, the fall of Mario. I'm never going to see Mario again or any Nintendo. I thought this was just <laughs> going to be everything from here on out. I didn't understand how companies and video games worked. I just knew that, oh, okay, there's this new popular one that doesn't have anything to do with Mario. So I got really angry. And I even once uh, uh, held up, like in a fake protest, my, my <laughs> friends and I held up signs that said, we don't like Xbox. <laughs> what? Shit, Where? This was, it was elementary school. We thought we were being so cool, talking to like the older <laughs> kids, like, hey, we don't like Xbox. Why are you playing this? And I thought you just meant like on the side of a street, like you're just protesting <laughs> outside your yeah, outside we, your family's house. We picked it out, out in front of Microsoft, you know, no big deal. <laughs> uh, this this was at school at the time, so I didn't I don't know what we were doing. And to protest, we actually all sat down during recess and made these things called Mario Mon cards. Um, so they were like Pokemon <laughs> cards, but they were Mario characters. And we thought, hey, if if we can spread the good word of Mario, no one's gonna want Xbox. So that was us in our ridiculous elementary school years. Uh, that Holy was our cow. mindset. Wow. It was weird, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, my ideas and thoughts on Xbox have certainly changed, but that's where it all started. I had no idea Very. your passion to, to resist <laughs> the man. And it feels like today we're still fighting Bill Gates. You know, he's trying to put microchips in us all, right? And yeah, you, you're ahead of the game. Chips. <laughs> Yeah, yep. I predicted this a long time ago. I just should have invested at the time in, like, you know, Bitcoin and stuff, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, so. It came out. Yeah, it's interesting you guys bring it up. Just the Xbox was such an unknown because for a while, you know, Nintendo, everyone knew Nintendo. Everyone called every console a Nintendo. A PlayStation was a Nintendo, right? But. Mm-hmm. Microsoft just kind of came out of nowhere and hadn't proven themselves. Sure, they I think they they made the OS for the Sega Dreamcast, which yes. so they kind of got their foot in the door there. But before that, they had really only you know worked with PC games. And when I saw that, I don't think I knew anything about it until I saw like an ad for it in the store when I was looking at GameCube stuff. And I was just like, oh, mm-hmm. Microsoft, like they make computers like this is going to be powerful. This is mm-hmm. scary towards Nintendo. And just thinking about the GameCube, you know, now we love the GameCube and we love how quirky and colorful and cubey it was. But back then it's like, oh, I'm getting like this, this toy looking thing when these are these like black powerhouses, both the, the PS2 and the Xbox. And it's like, if you had that, that's serious. And yeah. I, I didn't like the way it made me feel about Nintendo because of that. <laughs> you were really fear struck when you saw the Duke. <laughs> the first time you saw the Duke, you were just like, oh, no. <laughs> I don't know who they were designing that controller for. Cause we talked about the Duke the last time I was on here, too. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the console itself, sure, the Duke is huge. And the console was beefy. Like, it was heavy to hold. And so part of that is because it had an internal power supply, so it didn't have a brick coming off of the power cable, which is nice. And also had a hard drive in it, which was unprecedented at the time because before that, still the GameCube and PS2, you're using memory cards. They don't have yeah. internal hard drives like the Xbox did. So pretty cool. Yeah. I can tell you the Xbox is heavy because I went to give it to my parents. They were going to send it to my brother. And when I went to pick it up, I was like, what else is in here? (laughs) Nothing else is in there. It's just humongous. Wow. Yeah. 
All right, so to get back a bit more to the history and, and the making of this, so originally it got the name Xbox because it was going to be called the Direct Xbox. So Direct X is actually like a program that Microsoft came up with on computers, on Windows, that basically allowed their 3D awesome PC games to be played by any graphics card. Because I think before DirectX, like, they would have to build a game for a particular graphics card, mm. I think. And so, yeah, that's crazy to think because PCs are, everyone's got a different graphics card. Yeah. And anyway, so that was their, their vision DirectX. is, you know, packing that all into a, a console. And this thing uh, struggled in Japan. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Um, <laughs> so the Xbox was the first American-made console since the Atari Jaguar, I'm pretty sure. So, mm-hmm. bef- you know, up until now, or then, it had been, uh, you know, Japan made all of our video games. And that made Xbox, you know, they're an outsider. Uh, <laughs> they were two, They had two things going against them off the bat, where Japan told them, well, X is a symbol of death. And black is the color of death, and Microsoft the death like, box. Yeah, Microsoft's like, <laughs> uh, but the PS2 is black, and they said, yeah, well, you're an outsider, so it makes it worse. So that's yeah. They they had a lot so going against them. It is yes. They only sold two million consoles in Japan. Only two million. So uh, here's yeah. some perspective for you. The PS2 worldwide sales, as we have talked about, is like the, the number one selling console ever at 155 million. The Xbox world sales were only 24 million. And hmm. only two of those were in Japan. Dang. Well, we say wow. dang, but if the, if the PS2 is 155, the Xbox is 24, any guess what the GameCube was? Hmm. How many million? Did it sell? I would guess. I would guess fifty-two. Jake. Yeah. But I feel I'd like they're like, going to go the opposite. I feel like it's going to be less. Maybe. Maybe it's going to be more. Maybe it's like seventy. We'll uh, see. From what I found, only twenty-two million. Oh wow. Yeah. I did not oh realize gosh. that. I, that can't be true. That's got to be a wrong stat. But <laughs> well, I anyway. bet it's. Uh, <laughs> So, someone found that stat, and it's there's probably something to it, but who knows? I don't believe because yeah. what? Because the N sixty four is thirty four million. Holy well, this is going to be one of these moments where you like interject into the podcast. You're like, actually, on further review, nope. I just <laughs> yeah, I just found another one. It says twenty two million. The N sixty four sold better than the GameCube. Wow, we're learning stuff heck? on air. <laughs> yeah, this is interesting. I mean, like, it, it, it's really interesting when you have to, like, double in quadruple fact check these statistics <laughs> during yeah, the podcast. Like, I, I wouldn't have expected that either. Well, that's what I'm wow. finding. Yeah, it's, and, I can assure you, Xbox is still not very successful in Japan. It's just kind yeah. of Yeah, <laughs> even console. today, it, it never picked up any traction there. It never did. Uh, last fun fact for you is that the... Xbox cost $299 in store, and then it cost Microsoft to make each Xbox $425. So, it is estimated that they lost $4 billion producing the Xbox. What? That's crazy. So, they must have just been thinking that this will help our brand image and for future concerts, console sales or something. That's crazy. Yeah, I think huh. I think in general that is the case for most consoles is, is that they're sold at a loss with the hopes of making money back with the software. But I think okay. this was definitely like one of the biggest hits for mm. Microsoft. And I mean, obviously they've got the money to, to blow. But yeah, okay. that's crazy. Wow, but yeah. Holy cow. It definitely uh, turned around, though, I'd say. This I, system I, was pretty popular, wasn't it? Yeah, I'd say definitely when it comes to the games on it, for sure, it became popular. It, it definitely revolutionized quite a bit. Uh, one more fact I forgot to say. Speaking of the Duke, 
it ended up getting redesigned with a smaller, slimmer controller. And I think that was because of the Japanese audience. They saw this giant controller and they're like, nope, that's stupid. So they, they redesigned it. It's called like the S or something. And yeah, yeah for some reason, Microsoft loves calling their stuff the S and the X. You, you don't get those letters confused when you're saying them out loud, do you? Heck no, especially <laughs> if you're saying them fast. Yeah, Xbox th- One X, sh- One S, Series X, Series S, you know, no difference. Zero. <laughs> that is the, the stupidest naming conventions ever. <laughs> I, I was hoping you were going to say the second version of the Duke was even bigger. It's 50% bigger. <laughs> <laughs> they actually, uh, there's a company that relaunched the Duke for your Xbox One. And the, well, like, sign me up. like, the big uh, button in the middle that has the Xbox logo on it is actually like a little Uh LCD screen and it plays the original Xbox startup on that little screen. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's cool. I like that. (laughs) If you want to get a hold of that. (laughs) There's one thing I want to throw out here. Have you guys ever heard of the rumor that the Xbox scratched your discs when it played them? No. Did you ever get catch wind of that? That was something that I heard when I was a lot younger one of the reasons why I didn't get one, because I was like, oh, oh, you know, this doesn't sound good. But apparently that was started in Japan. And some people suspect that might be mm. one of the reasons why it didn't do so well. And people think it was like corporate sabotage. What? Some company starting this rumor. But anyway, it's all hearsay. It's just merely a fun fact. There's a rumor that it started in Japan. And that's one of the reasons why it wasn't very successful. That and, of course, it was an outside brand. And that doesn't really usually farewell in Japan, but yep, there you go. I thought you Xbox. were going to say the, con- the conspiracy was it scratched your disc so you'd have to go back and rebuy a new disc, help their game sales. Oh. Potentially. Hey, there you go. <laughs> That's the move. Make a console that purposely breaks itself so that you've got to buy a new one. Oh, snap. <laughs> oh, no pun intended. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyway, so we brought Mark in because, obviously, he's the only one of the three of us that owned one of these. And so he has the most experience. I have a lot of experience playing his, but let's hear from him. Let's hear from the expert. So, Mark. You want me me to start with the games? Yeah. What what are some good games that we should discuss? Let's start with... uh... Oddworld Stranger's Wrath. All right. Did you ever play that with me? I think I watched you, like, do the final boss. Okay. So it was almost like the, I would call it like the Ratchet and Clank of the Xbox. Yeah. Not in the characters' personalities. If I, if I remember right, I don't even know the main character's name, to be honest. I don't remember him. But Is he was very quiet. I think it was Stranger. That would make sense. I think it was Stranger. Uh, Okay. Anyways, but he uh, was real quiet, like Western style, but he was like a cat. Yeah. Like a coyote or something like that. So he was like a cartoony character, and then it was similar to Ratchet and Clank in that you had like all these different kinds of guns and ammunition, and you could combine ammunition. So it made the game super diverse in that you know if i played it i would play one style but if jake picked it up he might use totally different ammunition and he might be running and gunning whereas i'm i'm trying to be like a tank in there yeah but i remember specifically replaying it three or four times and thinking like well i didn't use the b ammo very much on this run through so next time i'm gonna like make that my primary weapon um yeah because they were like little critters right yeah, they're all little critters that you would jam into your gun and fire at enemies. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um, Western style, cartoony game. It's interesting. And then the twist is he's like an alien, though, right? He's not actually a cat guy. Oh, don't ask. I don't remember. I don't remember. Pretty sure he's got like <laughs> no four idea. legs, and that he's got he's got like two legs stuffed into each pant leg. <laughs> I'm googling this real quick. <laughs> I think that he sounds is. Hilarious. You just like triggered something in my brain. Reliving old memories. This is great. I believe that he is an alien. Yeah. How the heck is that what you remember? Because I, 
just said I watched like the end of the game, and he's in alien form at the end of the game. Interesting. Yeah. That, so that's the first game that I that I played a decent amount, three or four run throughs, I would say. Okay. Ready for the next? Yeah, go for it. Okay. This is the first game that I ever played online that was not Halo, if I remember right. Um, Rainbow Six Three. Oh, yeah, I remember you were really into that. I was very into it. I played it a lot. And I think I played it side by side with Halo at times, Halo 2. Yeah. But it was like, I, it was more of a realistic shooter. So if you hit somebody with three bullets, they were they were probably dead. Yeah. Like you couldn't really. Huh. It was the first to, first to hit the other person would kill. Okay. And all of its modes were set up to be like elimination modes. So it'd be like eight versus eight. And when you die, you got to sit there and watch everybody else. Right. Um, so obviously you want to kind of hang back and be tactical rather than guns blazing. Um, okay. I do remember that I was terrible at it. I think my kill <laughs> death was like 0.8 or something, dying more than I was killing. But there was the the thing about that game is the audience that played it was diehard. Uh-huh. Every, you were either really good or you were getting mowed down, and I was getting mowed down most most of the time, so... Well, that has not changed. So Rainbow Siege, Six Siege is still huge. It's been huge for a few years now. My students have harassed me constantly over the years to start playing it. And I just, I can't because everyone who plays it is insanely good. But also what you're saying, it's, they're very tactical. And if you die, you're dead and just have to watch your team. And that just makes the game so much harder to learn. Because, yeah. you know, that that's the beauty of, like, Call of Duty and Halo, where you can quickly learn from your mistakes and keep trying and trying again. But when you're getting, you know, a minute of gameplay and five minutes of watching your teammates, it's hard to improve, which sucks. Yeah. I think that's been my problem with um, games like Fortnite and Rocket League, which I like Rocket League a lot. But as soon as I try and play that online... I realized, like, whoa, <laughs> these people have put days and days into this. Yep. Anytime I jump on and I realize there's a huge catch-up period, um, I check out. Yeah. So. Hmm. Uh, interesting thing about Rainbow Six Three is it was very um, glitchy. There was tons of glitches. And to be good huh. at the game, you had to learn those glitches and, like, play with them. Oh. So... If you would run up to a corner, you could hit right or left on the D-pad, and you would lean around that corner. Right. And that would make, like, obviously you can only hit somebody in the head to do that. But if you did that, and then you strafed to the right, so, like, out into the open, the game acted like you were still stuck to that corner except your head. So, (laughs) in any firefight situation, you would just lean and then strafe back. So, it was just like a bunch of players, like, leaning around and shooting at each other. Like, it just looked really (laughs) awful, honestly. (laughs) But everyone would just be, like, leaning around in the the fights. It was very unrealistic, but that's what everybody did. A realistic shooter that's become very unrealistic because of the... (laughs) Yes, because of the glitches. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. It's really interesting to hear about this because this is a game that I heard a lot about that it was like really, really good, but I never heard anything else about it other than the fact that it was really good. So this is the first time I've ever, I'm ever hearing any info about this game. Yeah. Like, I assume it's a first person shooter, correct? Okay. Interesting. Is it worth playing? I wish I, I wish I had, uh, (laughs) probably not. Well, it's probably all online based, which that infrastructure is gone. Yeah. Yeah. It was sweet. Like, if two people would bump into each other in the hallway, they both would just, before they start firing, they would tilt, and then they would fire. <laughs> very, very strange. But, uh, Rainbow Six Three. Nice. Next up, this, this is like, last time I brought Guitar Hero... Yeah, we talked about it. This is another kind of cheat, like where it's on multiple consoles. But one game that I played like crazy on the Xbox was Dance Dance Revolution. Oh, DDR. 
<laughs> Solid choice. <laughs> I can talk about DDR. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why don't you start then? Go ahead. What, what, what's your DDR experience? Well, so you owned it, and you had one like official DDR pad and one crappier one that <laughs> yeah. wasn't as good. But I just remember... It took so much practice, so much effort, but then like you really started getting a strategy down to like where you'd leave your feet while you're playing. And we just got good at that. And I remember you would yeah. play a lot and we'd come over <laughs> and you're like sweating and you've got this little, yeah. this battery powered little handheld palm fan <laughs> that you've got blowing on you. Um, I'm trying to remember what some of the, the bangers were that we'd play on that. Oh, I don't know. Because it's all like songs like names, yeah. Very poppy, you know, beat heavy, and yeah. and Japanese sounding music. Yeah, uh, one of the things that would always happen when you play is you would be jumping all over the place, and like the mat would move on you. Yeah. So like, if people were sitting and watching you, like right behind you on a couch, you'd inevitably end up like in their laps, and they're like kicking your feet to try and get you away because <laughs> you're like stomping on their feet. Um, but I do remember I had one mat that was awesome and one that was garbage. So everyone was always fighting for that one mat. Or if one person lost, they'd be blaming the mat. <laughs> Kick the mat when you're done with it, you know. Yeah, I remember, Whoa. I think one time, because of playing this so much, AJ and I were at Kings Island once, and we spent a lot of time, instead of riding roller coasters, just in the arcade playing DDR. Nice. <laughs> but then, so speaking of that, I was always so disappointed because we had so much fun playing with you, but there was no GameCube version. And then they eventually came out with a Mario-themed DDR. And so it was just all these dance remixes of Mario songs. And there were some sick remixes on it. the same time it's just like uh this just feels like this cheap imitation like why can't we get the real ddr on gamecube and i i sold it i need to get that back (laughs) (laughs) probably gonna do a, a dive into ebay here in a minute nice nice i remember playing ddr and i started playing it during high school tennis And it was during the summer, and we would have a practice at 7 a.m., at 1 p.m., and then at 6 p.m. Yeah. And normally in that time, you you know, you'd go home, relax, rest up, hydrate, and you can tell where this is going. I would go home, plug in DDR, (laughs) and just immediately work up another sweat. Nice. And I I would play for like five, six hours a day. So that wow. was like this, this, the ultimate summer of calf cramps, just constant <laughs> calf cramps. Well, I was awake at night, just constantly getting calf cramps from sweating, playing uh, DDR and tennis. Wow. Nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. One heck of a workout. <laughs> so I currently have the game, but I do not have the mats. The mats have been thrown out long, long ago. Oh, no. So it's like, why would I even have the game? It makes no sense that I have the game. Yeah. (laughs) I guess it takes up less space than like a crinkly mat would, so. Yeah. This is a game I never got into, DDR. I never got into it. I never had the patience for it, and I never got good at it. Like, I don't know. But it was always fun to watch. Like, super fun at the arcade. It's really fun to watch. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's true. Uh, Just friends it's really fun to watch and this was also a game that i had like the soundtrack on on my ipod i love the song <laughs> so much yeah i got almost all the ddr songs and i was just that that was my jam like hardcore you know trance beats that were very <laughs> japanese that's all i listened to in middle school it's kind of i guess one of the reasons why i'm here now but um <laughs> yeah it, it, my sister got this game i remember and it was for the gamecube Actually, no. She got like a knockoff version, but it still played really well, and she seemed to enjoy it. I never did though. So was it? Uh, so like the knockoff one, instead of the arrows being 
front, back, and side to side. They're like yeah. diagonals. It's like top, yeah. top left, top right, and middle. And yep. that's a joke. Don't yeah, play that like one. Compass. I don't know what that is. <laughs> exactly. Well, anyway. it, it gave us some joy. <laughs> It was it was really fun to watch new players play that game because they would be like abruptly stomping when they had tons of time to like load up to reach for an arrow. Yeah, well, because yeah. everyone's natural position is like to go back to center, and it's like yeah. no, no, you gotta leave your foot wherever it steps, and then yep. get used to that. <laughs> that was my problem. You're right, going right back to center each time, and then like <laughs> oh 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 oh, where do I go? Like a joystick. <laughs> Yeah, just and then stomping around, just like Mark said, stomping around like an idiot and probably getting laughed at. But oh, it would be hey. really interesting to fire that up now and see if this is like riding a bike or if I would be an abrupt stomper. I think I'll bet if I back. were to play it again, I would do pretty well. I probably would not be up to like the same difficulties I was doing back in high school, but yeah. I, oh. I think it would come back. Just like Guitar That's Hero it. comes back pretty well. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Right. Interesting. Right. What <laughs> is next? My last game is probably the the game that I would say rivaled Halo for me. Okay. I would I would say one A is Halo, one B is Half Life Two. Ooh, I, I wrote this down too. Half Life Two was sick. It, I don't know how to describe it. I guess it was like the story is kind of creepy. And like futuristic, ro- I think robots have like kind of taken over. It's like aliens, yeah, robot aliens, whatever. <laughs> yeah, they're all the same. Kind of same. So you're like leading the revolution, if I remember right. Yeah. the The best part of the game is the gravity gun. Absolutely. By half mile, you could grab almost anything in the environment and fire that at your uh, enemies, cut them in half, send them flying. It was. I feel like it was one of the first games that had. Um, like ragdoll physics where you could hit somebody up high and they would bend the right way. If you hit them in the feet, they would face plant. Yeah, deal. that's so. a good point. Uh, so I played this in the orange box, which was a re-release on 360, which yep. fixed the frame rate. Cause I know watching you play it, it would dip hard yeah. <laughs> with some oh, explosions, yeah. but Oh my gosh. Uh, the, we don't go to Raven home level is goes that's like one of the best levels in any video game ever and it is just this creepy head crab zombie level that you go to right after you get the gravity gun and i've only done it the one way which is for the achievement is only fire the gravity gun don't use any other guns and that just makes it so much scarier it's like oh crap i gotta find Oh, there's a running zombie. Is there a saw blade nearby? And yeah. so much. Fun. We don't go to Ravenholm. <laughs> we used to we used to say that all the time. It's <laughs> not even how it's said in the game. I know. I don't know where we got that. Jones and I used to say that all the time. the The thing that I remember most about that game is that AJ and I um, played through it, and we used to like we went through this phase where we would record games. Like you were, there's you some were the way early you could streamers. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You could like throw a a, a a VCR in, hit record, and some it, somehow it would work. But we went through the entire game, and there's like in the very first level, you can find this little baby, and we carried baby this doll. stupid. Yes, 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 <laughs> baby doll. That's a key fact or a key thing. Um, we carried this baby throughout the entire game, so we would like kill enemies, and then we'd go figure out and find where the baby doll landed pick it up, carry it through to the next. But we carried it from the start of the game to the end of the game for no reason. And we recorded the whole thing. Yep. What and I remember, this? You, so you didn't record all of it. You just recorded like these really stupid clips of you like pushing it on a swing set or just like yeah. showing all the physics of what you could do with this baby. Yeah. Wait, you've got this baby doll that you could just carry? Why? You could just pick anything up in your gra- with your gravity gun, and that baby doll was one of the things you could pick up. That's funny. I want to look this up. Like, that's <laughs> hilarious. And you're right. You, that's exactly right. We recorded all these stupid clips of us, like, putting it on a, sw- a swing and pushing the swing, or, or like a teeter-totter, and then smacking the other end of it with the gravity gun so it would take <laughs> off flying. Yep. <laughs> and I can't tell you how many times we had to restart and reload games because the baby doll would fly, like... 
over a fence and we couldn't get it back. So we'd have to like reset <laughs> 10 minutes back. <laughs> you guys, That's you awesome. guys were before, uh, you, you guys were before your time. I mean, this is like, that you were like thinking of the future. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's funny because in the orange box where it's got Half-Life 2 Episode 2, there's an achievement for picking up a garden gnome at the beginning of the game and carrying it all the way to the end of the game and putting huh. it in this rocket that you launch and you launch the gnome into space. <laughs> so They made that because of us. <laughs> yeah. I know they did. They saw your tape. Yes. Tape? Do you know where that oh tape is? Oh my gosh. Is? That's amazing. <laughs> Where's the tape, Mark? I, I'm I'm sure it's long gone. I'm sure my parents threw that out a long uh, time ago. I mean, it also had a mix of Resident Evil Four clips on it too. Yeah, we did like all the ways you could die, if I remember That's right. That's right. And then did you yeah. and I? I think you and I made some Final Fantasy Ten stuff, maybe on there. Oh, could have. I don't remember yeah. anything notable. I wonder where those tapes are now. How far down in the landfill those tapes are now. <laughs> Way down. That would be amazing if you could track them down, if they aren't thrown away. <laughs> yeah, hopefully yeah. they're in your parents' house somewhere. Maybe. I guess I'll ask next, next time I see them. <laughs> there you go. There's your homework. I want to see these. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's, Half-Life 2 was incredible. And I, need, I still need to play Half-Life Alex on VR. I'm excited excited about that i've heard people talking about it and just like how great the physics engine is and just like how much creative control you can have i had a a kid at school was telling me about it that there was like this plant i think that like just spawns these grenades and you can only you know hold a grenade in each hand and throw them but he wanted to keep using them so he found a bucket and then filled the bucket full of these grenades and then like carried that through the level with him. Huh. I was like, that is so cool. VR is incredible. <laughs> Rise and shine, Mr. Freeman. Rise and shine. Not that I wish to imply you have been sleeping on the job. No one is more deserving of a rest, and all the effort in the world would have gone to waste until... Well, let's just say your hour has come again. The right man in the wrong place can make all the difference in the world. So wake up, Mr. Freeman. Wake up and smell the ashes. So let's let's talk about a few more games. Um, okay. Although they didn't make Mark's list, I'm sure he's still got a lot to say. So uh, ones I wrote down. First off is F- Fable, which actually, Mark, you didn't play Fable, did you? I did. Yeah. Oh, okay. I did. I was just like the most horrible, awful person. And my one playthrough. Just <laughs> evil as I could be, horns coming out of my head. Yeah. I don't remember what what I did to achieve those, but... Yeah, I just yeah. remember <laughs> the hype around Fable coming out was intense. Where Peter Molyneux, the guy at Lionhead Studios that is notorious for overhyping and overpromising, just said so much about this game, how it was going to be like the, the most perfect... RPG video game ever made the choices that you can make are going to be incredible and it's just funny because because he overhyped it this received more of a critical response when in reality like it's still a solid game and if you went into this knowing nothing about it you would love this game you know it's very like old school England fairy tale type of video game and hilarious at that too good british humor in it but because of molyneux uh, everyone was super disappointed it's like this is not at all the game you said it was going to be (laughs) that backfired yeah (laughs) anyway so i never actually played that one i played a lot of fable 2 and same deal he overhyped that one as well but i love fable 2 remember like your your the biggest thing was like your character would become more either good or evil or whatever. And I think that was all done through 
conversations or like who you killed. So it's almost like um, Mass Effect in a way. Yeah. I think I only played it one time through, but it's a pretty long game. 25, 30 hours maybe. Okay. But I remember enjoying it. I, I just, my um, tendency in those games is to be a huge jerk on my playthrough. I'm good in every other game, so I'm going to be as mean as possible in these. <laughs> yeah, well, in that game, it was fun to be bad, too. I don't think you ever felt bad for it. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, another game that I can't believe you didn't bring up, Mark, is Mercenaries. I, so I, I I just have like a case of all my games back here, uh-huh. and I was flipping through and saw it, and I have another game I can bring up, but Mercenaries was in there. Okay. It almost made the list. All right, t- tell us a bit about Mercenaries. So if I remember right, you pretty much were just given bounties of different people, obviously, hence the title, but you could kill them however the heck you wanted to. If you wanted to be like you know, sneak into a complex and avoid guards and get to them. You could, but the, the clear choice to me was you could also get like artillery strikes, like half nuclear bombs, Uh napalm bombs. And you just found like the highest mountain you could find and you guided it down and not only killed your target, but, you know, eight city blocks in the process. <laughs> right, because it was like highly destructible environments, wasn't it? That was one of the big selling points. Yeah, I remember a lot of the times what you would do is you would find a really high building and then you would underestimate how big the bomb was and you'd kill yourself in the process. You'd wipe your own <laughs> building out that was under you. Huh. Yeah, I just remember it was it was a very fun just sandbox game. Like, it wasn't serious. It was open world and... At the point I was playing it with you, like you had tons of money, so you could just like airdrop in whatever you wanted, yeah, and just do whatever the heck you wanted. And wasn't there like three different mercenaries you could play as? Yeah, I think there was a girl. She was like the covert, this Russian guy. He was like the explosives master, and I don't remember who the third character was. Okay, but I don't think my play style never like changed. I was always just get as many upgrades to my to these bombs as possible and do airdrops and stuff you know nice but it's very grand theft auto-y to be honest yeah think i think back at it it's like a mix i'd say of of grand theft auto and far cry which i don't know huh. if you've played far cry but especially like far cry 5 where it's very country uh wilderness ish mm. fun game okay the other game that I saw in there that I can bring up is um, Burnout Revenge. Ooh, yes. I think the last time I was on, I brought up um, uh, Need for Speed Underground. Yeah. Need for Speed Underground and Burnout Revenge are like the only two racing games I've really ever played same besides so when i got burnout revenge the the biggest selling point of the game is if you like run into or ram someone um the entire game kicks into slow-mo and you get to see like their destruction so them like flying through the air flying off the map and that was the case like even if you played on like online against eight people. If someone wrecked someone else, everyone's time slowed down and everyone saw that person's car just like flying oh, really? through the air or flying into traffic. And then it would like cut back into the full speed or whatever. That's cool. The, the thing that I remember being bummed about that game was I loved in Need for Speed Underground that you could like customize your car and put decals on it. And there was none of that in this game. It was all about wrecking your friends, but oh, to right. some degree, that gave it like an arcadey pick up and play feel. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, that game was fun. You, you, the best thing was if you're on a two two way street, you just nudge your buddy into oncoming traffic, and then you just see his car just fly through <laughs> the air. That was a good feeling. And wasn't there a, like just a destruction mode mini game where you would just like fly into an intersection and you'd get points for like the most damage you could possibly cause i think so so you would want to get like heavier vehicles for that but yeah i think you're right 
That was like a pick up and play thing. We need to we need to plug this sucker in and run some of these back. Yeah, I'd be down for that. I guess I'd be interested to see what the Xbox still has saved on it after all these years. Maybe we can just oh. pick up and play mercenaries <laughs> and be sending out napalm bombs. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That'd be like archaeology. You're like you're you're opening something up that you haven't for years, like discovering things that you probably didn't even remember. <laughs> That's the best. What? Opening up those ancient <laughs> files. Like it's the most fun thing. Yeah, I've I've experienced a lot of that, just us talking through these old games again where I'll get them out. Like, oh yeah. yeah. Forgot about this. Forgot I did that. <laughs> no, last anyway, time I touched no. this was high school. Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> or earlier. Yeah, or earlier. So there was one other game I thought you were going to mention, Mark, and that is the Splinter Cell series. Mm, okay. I don't remember anything about this other than, you know, it was, it was one of the first really good stealth action games, and it had a very good online multiplayer with spies versus mercs yep oh and it and one of the games had like a cool co-op mode too but all i remember you uh talking about is if you're a spy and you like sneak up and to break a merc's neck you can talk to him on chat like while you've got his neck and you just like (laughs) say weird things to him before you kill him (laughs) that's awesome and that sounds like me (laughs) um Yeah, so the online was really interesting in that you would spend probably 10 to 12 minutes trying to set up your kill and like lay out scenarios for a merc to walk into where you you could jump in and finish them off. So you would have these moments of just like tons and tons of buildup. And then when it actually happened and you pulled it off, it was over in like two seconds. But pulling those off was a good feeling sorry i don't know if i can curse on here or if it's even considered a curse word (laughs) uh but the feeling of pulling off one of those successfully was an awesome feeling and then the other thing i remember about that game is the single player mode was so hard oh yeah unbelievably hard and it's like usually i like the challenge of a really hard game and i will i can sit and bang my head against a wall on something for two three hours but that game was like it was just so hard to progress through the story for me, at least maybe I was doing something wrong, but because you would like walk into a, into you'd walk around a corner. You're in a big compound. You'd have to, to shoot out all the lights. Each time you would do that, they would freak out and get paranoid. And it was just like this really slow process of doing all that and having to wait. And then someone would see you and it'd be over and 20 minutes of work is gone. Oh yeah. That sucks. It was really hard. There's some very cool scenes, and if I remember right, it was one of the more cutting-edge games, graphics-wise, too. It had yeah. some really cool graphics back in the day. Hmm. But it was hard. That's, that's my biggest recollection of like the single-player modes. Hmm. Hmm. righty. It sounds interesting. Is he the coolest-looking coolest character in any video game ever? The Black coolest? suit with the little, little green light on his head? Come on, he looks awesome. I mean, awesome. yes, the... The night vision goggles and the sound they might they make are uh, pretty iconic. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Perfect. Nice. <laughs> so I think there was two games that I remember on this system. Crazy Taxi and Smashing Drive. Those are the only two games I ever played oh. in any really long period of time in any depth and detail aside from Halo. I'm pretty sure. What was the second one you said? Uh, Smashing Drive. It's another taxi game that has nothing to do with taxis. It's what? just an arcade game where you just drive through levels, smash through cars, and try to get to the checkpoint before the end of your time, which runs out really fast. Typical ar- you know, arcade style. Yeah. But the car is a taxi, but you get like these upgrades where you can smash cars to get through. At, hmm. So it's a taxi theme, but it's just a, you know, it's just one of those arcade games. It was fun, but not very deep. That's all I have <laughs> to say about it. It's very weird that you just, you just played two taxi games. How many? How many? Uh, surely those are the only two taxi games on the whole console. Uh, what those about Simpsons probably... Hit and Run? <laughs> <laughs> Never That's played true. that. Wasn't that like That's the Grand true. Theft Auto type style no, Simpsons it was, game? No, it was Crazy Taxi. It was Crazy Taxi with Simpsons skins. Interesting. Yeah, it was fun. 
just two taxi games. That's all I ever played in any depth on the Xbox. That's so random. It is. But I thought I thought I'd throw in my two cents. <laughs> well, thank you. Of course. All right, guys. Well, I think we have spent this time well and learned quite a bit about the original Xbox and some great memories. But uh, I think it's time to wrap up. But we are not done talking about the Xbox just yet because, as you notice, we left out uh, a very major <laughs> entry or two that we are going to talk about next week. Mark, will you join us next week? Yes. Excellent. So, until then, my name is Cameron. And I'm Jake. Have an awesome nerdy week. Minasan, sayonara. <laughs> <laughs>